Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we've got some exciting news for a new YouTube channel that Azul and I are starting under the Uncommon Energy umbrella. We'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about some controversy this week and discussion around coaching in the Pokemon TCG, a topic that seems to come up every so often. We'll give our thoughts and opinions on it and uh, maybe share some of the takes that we saw online from others that we found quite humorous. We will, of course, have everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. Guess that flavor text. And we're going to wrap things up by talking about the Charlotte Regional Championships this coming weekend. The largest regionals of all time. We've been saying that a lot the last few months. We'll talk more about it when we get there. And then, of course, we will have the bonus episode exclusive to our supporters over on Patreon. If you want to get 30 extra minutes of content from me and Azul every single week, the place to do it is over on the Patreon. Really appreciate all the support over there. Uh, but with that being said, we'll hop into this week's episode. My name is Chip Ritchie, joined here, as always, by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How we doing, man? Doing pretty good, Chip. Um, had a pretty... Uh... Pretty cool stream over the weekend. I did the, we mentioned it last weekend on the podcast. I did the uh, Jake Gearhart versus uh, Isaiah Bradner show match. And uh, I peaked on like Twitch at like 1900 viewers. And then I got up to like, I think uh, I saw someone which I got up to like 1200 over on YouTube. So at some point there was like 3K people watching, tuning in and watching. So I was like super hype. Uh, yeah, it was a super cool match to be able to showcase. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just a ton of fun to do that. And I, I plan on doing like more show matches in the future. I'll be announcing that, you know, eventually. Probably plan on doing them about like monthly or something. So, you know, be working on, you know, one for February and so on. But um, when I get all that situated, I'll I'll make an announcement uh, about that. But that was a ton of fun. It was a ton of fun to do. Um, that's basically pretty much the only thing that happened this week for me. I, mean, I did some and I'm like lost. Yeah, what did I do this week? It was just stream and then... <laughs> What did I get back from? What was the? Your life is a blur, huh? Oh, I came back from. Well, last week. Oh yeah, because the last episode was like just like a couple days ago. That's yeah. right. Because we. That's right. Because I did it took a little. I was like, what? What did I do this last week? Because I didn't stream that much. Um, but yeah, came back from Portland. Went on a little bit of a vacation. Got back. Um, podcast had the show match. That's basically it, to be honest. Had the show match and then. Uh, we haven't had a lot of time to be doing stuff between. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Today I didn't even stream today because I uh, had a, uh, I guess like business trip type thing that I had to do. So I didn't even, uh, didn't even stream today. So I guess I've just been traveling a lot to be honest. I've been traveling. Uh, I'm about to get traveling again this weekend with Charlotte Regionals coming up. And uh, yeah, yeah. How about you, Chip? How was your, uh, how was your week? How's your week been? My weekend, I guess, really. Weekend, yeah. <laughs> last time we talked, I, yeah, I, I like didn't even have that connection. I was like, okay, what actually happened? Yeah, we recorded like four talked. days ago or something. Yeah, like it was that. like four days ago, which is good for us to. Um, it was good for us to, uh, you know, get the episode, even though they're like close back to back episodes. Here. I don't think yeah. anyone's complaining. It was good for us to still be get a, get an extra episode out uh, last week, even if it came a little bit. Yeah, late. I definitely would rather release something late than not put out an episode. So definitely. yeah glad it worked out still but yeah uh had a pretty good weekend not super eventful watched um a lot of nfl football you know playoff football so there were some good games a lot of pretty one-sided games actually to be honest which was not what you expect to see maybe these next ones this weekend will be 
uh, I mean, there were still some great games. The Rams and uh, Lions game was a super good one down to the end, pretty much. Um, but yeah, looking, I love watching playoff football. A little bummed that this weekend is Charlotte, and that's when like this is the divisional round. There's only four games, and probably only going to get to watch two of them because the other ones will be happening during the stream the show and stuff like that uh i am casting in charlotte this weekend so looking forward to that i'll be there as we'll be there playing and stuff like that so looking forward to that tournament i enjoy charlotte every year because it's pretty close for me it's driving distance at least so that's definitely nice compared to hopping on a plane and flying and you know having a really long travel day just get to hop in the car and drive a couple hours and get there which is definitely uh convenient and then monday was a holiday it was mlk and so Brooke was off work. And so we got to take Samuel to the Children's Museum downtown, which was a ton of fun. And he had a blast just kind of roaming around, looking at all the different things and watching all the bigger kids run around all, all around him. It was it was a good time. So is it his first time at the first time you guys made it there or? Yeah, it was. So we what age were going to you... take him for his first birthday last year. Mm -hmm. But I was sick on his first birthday, so we couldn't go because I was sick. So I like felt really bad. And then it was just like we <laughs> had probably. the like there's so many tournaments and just yeah. work got busy for Brooke. And it's just like we never found another good time to go. But then for Christmas this year, my mom actually gave us a membership to the Children's Museum so we can take him. Nice. I, I don't know. I don't know how often it is. I think we can take him anytime. I'm not. 100% sure. Um, it might be a couple times a week or a couple times a month or something like that. But yeah, we yeah, went for the first time on probably Monday. Pretty confident you'll get blessed. burnt out. You're not going to come every single day of every week, I don't think. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. They're, they're safe. I don't know, dude. You Some people probably you would, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the kids like it enough, then maybe, yeah, maybe they'd be down to take them every big. single day of every week. So there's a lot to do in there for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and hop into this week's episode. First thing is a bit of an announcement, but also a little bit of a topic too. And that is a brand new YouTube channel that we've started for the podcast. It's youtube.com slash at uncommon underscore energy. So the same handle as our Twitter account. It'll also be linked in the description. And our first video on it uh, is going to be coming out today, the same day this podcast releases so if you're listening to this after it came out, you know, feel free to go check over there and see if it's already come up. But yeah, we're really looking forward to it. We're going to, I think the plan is to just do other types of content under the Uncommon Energy Umbrella stuff different from what Azul does on his YouTube channel and his Twitch stream. Um, and, you know, I don't really make content anymore on YouTube. So it's like kind of a chance for me to get to hop back into that sphere. But also, you know, having someone to do it with will be, I think, helpful uh, but yeah, we're looking forward to it for sure. We have some tons of ideas. Uh, we'll see kind of how it all comes together. We'd like to at least to start with get like one or two videos out a month, hopefully more than that in the future. But yeah, looking forward to what we have to come on the Uncommon Energy channel. Yeah, definitely going to be a little bit more. Um, leaving the word. Yeah, so it's going to be a little bit. It's not going to be the content's not going to be too frequent, but it's going to be a little bit more long form content, I guess the way to put it. And also like uh more well edited more like and, edited and yeah, yeah more put together like, yeah that's a good way to put it yeah more structured scripted whatever you want to call it um so yeah definitely go check it check it out um was it un uncommon underscore energy yeah was the un non underscore one taken it was taken always taken bro what the heck i know <laughs> a bit of a bummer yeah 
That's, that is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, go check it out. Link will be in the description um, for sure. So yeah, the first first, first video. Yeah, but it, yeah, not won't be like a, a ton of content, but as, as quickly as we can get it out and uh, as we come up with new ideas and stuff, we'll, we'll still continue to pump out as much content as possible over there. Yeah, that is the plan. Um, no spoilers on what the first video yeah. is going to be, but <laughs> we put a lot of work into it, and um, I think it came out pretty good. I think it came out pretty good, and I think people are going to be excited about it and enjoy it and be looking forward to part two. That And that's kind of what we want, too, is that people will be excited about it. Um, but yeah, we're able to do some kind of we, we have tons of like ideas and thoughts of like different projects we would like to do and just different content we'd like to make um so yeah thank you guys for listening to the podcast supporting us here on the youtube channel for the podcast for supporting us on spotify and apple podcasts and all the places you listen to it and for those of you supporting us over on patreon as well those things are going a long way to help us try to achieve kind of some of our uh you know different ideas and goals and uh, allow like the things that are in our head to come to fruition which is pretty fun yeah for sure we appreciate it as always um with that said we can go ahead and ta- jump into our our first main topic i guess of the podcast today which is coaching um and i, I guess we never really talked about have we ever brought up and talked about i don't like, think the... we have done a coaching topic ever before so yeah which is kind of wild because this discussion comes up it feels like a couple times a month you know or not not a couple times a month once every couple months yeah we're not going to be talking too much about like coaching in general or the idea of coaching but just um i guess like a couple like consistent um i wouldn't even say it's topics it just feels like general jabs at people who coach (laughs) is that i think that's the best way to put it to be honest because it's very much um it's like uh yeah it's just people kind of subtweeting people who coach in the Pokemon it feels TCG. like the the basis of this discussion does always kind of come up around some person comes out and says i don't think people who don't have great accomplishments in the pokemon tcg yeah. should be qualified to be coaching other people on how to play the pokemon tcg and that that feels like it's kind of the basis of yeah. where this discussion begins I feel like the other one that maybe comes up too is just like the idea of the of what people are charging for their coaching as well comes up a little bit too. Um, I think the the main problem with that argument specifically is you wouldn't hold the same standards for anything else in life, basically. Um, so like the the main one that does come up, I think you're right, is the. Uh, are the like basically questioning the uh are basically questioning the quali uh the quality of the people who are coaching based on their previous or lack of accomplishments yeah qualifications basically but like um this is like i put out a, a video myself just kind of covering the the main topics that people kind of bring up uh, about coaching these things um, and giving my kind of opinion on it. But yeah, you basically wouldn't hold the same standard for anything else in life. It's almost like the the people who are judging the people who are coaching expect that when you go to get a coaching session from someone, you're supposed to be like, if you get a coaching session with Tord, you're supposed to leave the coaching session as good as Tord, which first is impossible. Um, no one would be able to take an hour. An average player cannot get an hour of coaching from Tord and be as good as Tord after an hour, right? 
Um, and then it's also like not necessary. The point of getting coaching is to leave the coaching session better or on track to be better than you were previously. And that's really it. Um, and then depending on what the coach is able to teach you, how good they are, um, or what their ceiling is, uh, their ceiling as a, as a coach, what I do think, like, I do think there is probably some level of limitation in a one V one, not like a one V one mental game, like Pokemon or even like chess, where there's probably a limitation is like if you're better, like solidly better than someone, you probably can't learn very much, if anything, fundamentally from them um, at the at like Pokemon or chess. Um, but if they're better than you um, or if they just have more information on like specific things, so like chess would be like certain board states or openings, they could probably you could probably still learn from them, even if you're fundamentally better at the game than them. And same thing with Pokemon. And I gave even gave the example on my video. It's like. If like at, right after Peoria, I want to learn a lot about Maridon in a very short amount of time, I would like hit up Jesse Parker and ask him for like an hour of Maridon coaching, right? Uh, if I was trying to be time efficient, I don't think Jesse's going to teach me anything fundamental about the Pokemon TCG. And if I play enough with Maridon, I'm confident that I could get as good at the deck as he is, or you know, I could skip the 16 hours of grinding with Maridon, um, or at least lessen it, and then hit up Jesse for like an hour of coaching, right? Yeah. Um, and theoretically, anyone, as long as they're better than you or have some information you want access to, you can leave a coaching session more informed and better at a deck or a situation or just fundamentally at the Pokemon TCG um, than you were when you uh, went into the coaching session. So you don't really need any pre-qualifications. And we wouldn't hold the same standard for literally anything else in life. Like there's math teachers who teach uh, in college and there's math teachers who teach in high school right and they're teaching they're not like you, you don't go into a math class and expect to be fully maxed out on math after one class <laughs> like it's not how maximize your else. math stat yeah there's like steps and stages and there's potential for steps and stages um and of course there are some people who get like tutors for like piano and they're like ridiculously high level tutors right but people like there's different just different avenues to learn stuff right and like i don't know if you get like a Go to a guitar shop to get guitar lessons from, uh, you know, who's ever at the guitar shop. You know, it'd be cool to maybe get guitar lessons from like Jimi Hendrix or something. But like, you know, you got to start somewhere and get better somehow. But he's dead. Right? Yeah, and he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it would take a whole another process to get there. Um, so like, yeah, as long as you're improving and getting better, that's the point of getting coaching. So as long as that's happening while you're getting coaching, then I think it's fine. And I think all the coach and the, the other thing, like I don't think any coach in the Pokemon TCG, you know, from my experience of just kind of seeing the, uh, the whole thing develop, because um, I've been around like since coaching has become a thing. Like I've started when I started playing, the coaching really wasn't a thing unless like it was like yeah, it was like, basically wasn't a thing unless you had like a really yeah. good player just like coaching um, a junior or a senior. It was like locally. friends at league, pretty much, or like mentor yeah. at league more than anything. Yeah, basically. But yeah, I don't think anyone in the current ecosystem of coaching in the pokemon tcg is like trying to make a quick buck they're either content with what they offer as a coach um and then it is possible to outgrow a coach which i feel like some people are kind of don't get it's like it's possible to be a coach and you know not be able to maybe coach someone to the point where they could be uh, a consistent contender for top eight at regionals but they'll set them on their path to get there maybe right um and then if you outgrow your coach and you need to get a better coach or you're just on a, a spot a situation where it's like you just need to keep playing pokemon and keep improving then that's fine as well yep um and you 
it's like, and I also think, uh, well, I guess I'll let you go ahead and if you had anything else you want to say on that, because that, 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 I can jump to my next point. Um, but I'll let you go ahead and take over from there if you had anything else you want. No, to I mean, I totally agree with what you're laying out and saying here. And, um, you know, I think that tournament results like are something that, you know, it is like an open market as well. Like people can choose to book a coach based on whatever criteria they feel like is worth pursuing a coach for. Right. If you feel like pursuing one of the best players in the game is your coach and feel like that's where you're going to learn the most, uh, you know, you're able to book a lesson with Azul or Tord, Right. But if you are wanting to learn more about a specific deck or you're just looking for some advice or like some basic sequencing help and stuff like that, um, you know, you don't have to go all the way to the top to learn something. I think that's an important thing yeah, yeah. as well, right? Like there is something like you can, any anyone uh, can learn something from the people who are at the very, very top, I feel like, you know, like just about anyone could benefit from time playing Pokemon with Azul or Tord. Um, but there's like more to it than just like, depending on what your needs are, like if you have a specific deck or like matchups and stuff like that, or, uh, if you're literally just starting out as well, like just about anyone, if you're like literally just starting out, just about anyone is going to be able to come away with yeah. having taught you something, you know, that <laughs> yeah. you didn't know before. Just literally playing against literally anyone. Um, yeah yeah i think it's just like there's like a lot of weird takes that you just wouldn't apply to any other situation ever in life like yeah like like another example would just be like i don't know if you're a kid who like wants to eventually make it you know to the nba and you're playing basketball you know you start with your high school coach <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. as you get better you might outgrow your coaches and then i mean eventually you make it to college and you get you might get coaches. a private coach right you start with what's offered at your public high school right and, and then you, get, you, like, you might get a private coach yeah yeah yeah. um and then you like just kind of progress and like you can definitely like outgrow your coaches how much can they actually teach you um and then hopefully you get to the nba and hopefully the nba the coaches in the nba can actually consistently teach you stuff and like work and strategize with you to make you a better player but like yeah you just don't apply this this logic that people have in the pokemon tcg community to literally anything else in life so it's so weird that people apply this to the pokemon tcg coaching it's just like so bizarre um it doesn't make any sense <laughs> at all that it's like just because the people are in the community they apply it to the pokemon tcg when you literally would not apply this to literally any other learning system or process um or just for the sake of trying to learn in general like ever um it makes literally no sense that that the, the, the takes exist the way they do in the pokemon tcg i guess like the other thing i'll just mention real fast like i mentioned before like the other thing is like price point is it something that sometimes people bring up or i've seen brought up and it's just like that's like it, that's much so now that's much so more relevant for the coach themselves. How much do, is their time worth to them? Not how much is their coaching worth to you? Now, if they are trying to like fill their schedule um, based on their marketing and their achievements, achievements definitely matter for potentially getting clients, their marketing, their achievements, um, and then like the reputation they built up as a coach, like they'll be able to charge more or have to charge less if they want to fill their schedule, right? So the, the market just was like self-correct in that sense where it's like, if someone comes in with no achievements, but maybe they are pretty good at Pokemon, they are a pretty good coach, but they have no achievements, they don't market themselves well, they have like no reviews or like people who can kind of vouch for them, then they're probably not going to get very many clients. So they have to kind of start at a lower price point to build up their reputation. Uh, and then at that point, they could theoretically have someone who could charge as much as I do for coaching with zero top eights at regionals or international championships, if they're able to establish themselves and build up their brand, market their coaching well. And then also they would have to be a decent coach as well. Right. And maybe yeah. they might not like, let's say 
I can get you to like 80% efficiency at Pokemon. Maybe they can only get you to 60% efficiency in Pokemon, but that's that's a huge step for so many players, right? And then maybe they outgrow them as a coach and they move on and they just like work on their play themselves or they try and seek out someone of a higher level who can get them to a higher level of efficiency. Um, so they're not trying to become this coach isn't like not trying to become the greatest player in the world, but they're just like, this is what I'm doing. Uh, and I can get you to this point. And after that, good luck. But like, you know, I can get you there at the very least and I can get you there well because I'm good at teaching as well. Right. They could theoretically be a good teacher. So, um, yeah, it's just like it's the, I, I just I felt like. I had seen the take one, two, like before I posted that video the other day on Twitter, because I had seen the take, like the, it comes up like every month. I see like I see a new tweet about how people think in general, um, the Pokemon TCG coaches have a lack of accomplishments or uh, are not qualified. Like there's not that many people who are qualified to actually be coaches in the Pokemon TCG. Um, I feel like I see that tweet at least once a month. And I just saw it like one too many times the other day. And I was like, I'm just going to put out my thoughts, my statement. Like, and I hope the biggest thing is I don't care really about the people who may, who have the bad takes. I don't care. They can have their bad takes. I'm more so concerned with like people in the community who don't know any better, potentially being influenced by these bad takes. And maybe they're a little bit more neutral or don't really care about the topic, but then they're swayed and their opinion and viewpoint of coaching is swayed by these bad takes. That's what I that's the way I look at it. And that's what I care about more is like, I'm just trying to do what I can to make the community as good as possible. So I don't want people who are kind of have or neutral on the take or don't really have an opinion being swayed to agreeing with the bad takes. So I was like, I'm going to get, you know, I have like a pretty big, pretty big voice in the community. I'm going to get the right opinion, the right takes out there and hopefully kind of combat the bad takes more so than anything. Um, Cause it's just like weird and toxic. It's just, honestly, it's just weird and toxic. <laughs> like those takes are weird and toxic. So they don't really need to exist in the community um and yeah i don't want them to like influence people who you know maybe haven't thought about it that much but then i'll like for just some reason just like agree with the first take they see which happens to be that bad take so yeah i put my video out there kind of as just a way to combat the bad takes more so than anything because i was kind of fed up with seeing another bad take about the exact same thing which is just yeah toxic and weird and listen yeah. if someone truly is a bad coach i think the market will filter them out of the system they won't get repeat clients everyone's doing coaching with the idea of getting repeat clients and getting more clients. So if they truly are a bad coach or charging too much, I think the market will self-correct and the system will push them out of being able to be a coach because people will stop getting, they won't get repeat clients. Um, and because of like their bad rep or whatever, they won't get new clients either. So like it, the market will self-correct or does self-correct. Yeah. And to your point too, about um, outgrowing your coach, right? I think that's another thing as well uh, that people should think about when they're seeking out coaching uh, is like, uh, like try to maximize your time with your coach as well. Like learn what they can teach you, uh, but you need to do more than just that. You know, if your time of playing the Pokemon TCG every week to try to prepare is one to two hours of coaching, and then that's all the Pokemon you're playing, yeah. you're not getting nearly enough out of it if you're trying to really be a competitor right now if you're just someone who's like going to your first regional and you don't have the time to play and you feel like i think that's the type of person that uh hour of coaching could benefit them greatly you know um tournament prep and you know matchup talking through like if they've decided what deck yeah. they're going to play and stuff like that uh, because they don't have the time to to really play a lot of games but if you're really trying to compete like you got to play a lot of Pokemon outside of just your coaching as well. Uh, and then eventually you will outgrow uh, what a coach can teach you. Like if you like become a strong enough competitor, like if you really want to become like one of the very 
uh, best competitors. And this, I think, mostly is going to apply to like the younger players as well, like seniors and juniors, um, because all the best seniors and juniors right now are getting coaching. And eventually, you know, once they've learned enough and they've developed their friends in the community, you move away from needing a coach and you move into having a testing group and discovering yeah. stuff and growing together, right? Like when's the last time you, Grant or Caleb, got coaching from anyone, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> you don't need coaching. You guys know yeah. your fundamentals of the game, like, but you learn stuff together. You discover things together through your testing processes, right? Yeah, um, that's definitely a good uh, a good uh, good thing to to point out to call out for sure. Yeah, I was actually I had a follow up for one of the things. What was the first thing you said? Because I forgot I had like a follow up to um about like playing outside of just your like one. To oh two hours yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually something that I've actually been um with like the newer people, or as I'm like it's just like something like even like was it last week, the week before us? I don't remember, but something I'm starting to actually like put out there in my coaching is like um it's like you need to play enough games of pokemon so i've been like telling people to pick, we have to like you have to start by picking a number of games you think you can play each week and then try and um try and find a number of games that you can comfortably play each week um because like everyone's situation is different right everyone's situation is different you know work school whatever it might be kids yep. um so it's like we need to find you need to find a number of games that you can comfortably play each week and you have to make sure you hit that number come up with that number is and then we want to come up with a number that you can actually like um you know you can if you have extra free time you know we want to we want to actually find a number that you can consistently do that kind of gets you playing the most pokemon each week so that's something i've actually been like pushing on the people that i i coach with is like you know this that's i guess it's like kind of like the it's kind of like homework right you have to play 50 games each week at least or something um which i think is good i think it's good probably for a lot of people to set that number of games um for sure if you just find like you're progressing and but you want to be getting better you want to be competing more like but you feel like you're just not playing enough Pokemon. Just like, yeah, be like, I'm going to play in or like find some online tournaments that work for you and make sure you play in all those online tournaments every week. Because a lot of the online tournaments are like regular every single day. Like it's every Tuesday, every Thursday, whatever. The same online tournaments happen at the same times. So even like picking two to three online tournaments to play in every single week would also be a uh, a good practice to to put forward. Um, but just kind of make sure you're playing. Yeah, no one plays enough Pokemon for the results that they expect. I think I said that like two weeks ago or something. It's like even the best players in the world don't play enough Pokemon for the results they expect. I feel like, especially for the results they expect, like there's way too many players in the game who expect more without having done anything um, or done very little. Like the the ceiling in Pokemon is super high and the room to take advantage of that ceiling is also very open for like many players to excel at the game. It's very easy. I said this, I said this a while ago on Twitter. I think it's very easy to outwork uh everyone in pokemon right now yeah. like the ceiling is not consistently being pushed by that many players yep you can just work harder than your opponents which is literally everyone else in the room when you show up to like a regional championship um you cannot work like 99 percent of the competition pretty easily to be honest so i put in the time gotta put in the time yeah I, i've said this to parents many times of like seniors and juniors that i've coached um you know if you think about a kid who is trying to like excel in football or baseball or something like that, you know, they're probably going to wake up in the morning and have some like exercise or practice or something like that. Uh, and then they'll have practice after school. Um, and 
you have to like it's not going to just happen if they like for the people who are like trying to compete at the highest level like they have travel teams they go on weekends and stuff like that uh it's not going to just happen from your hour of like if you're playing basketball it's not going to happen from just your hour of basketball practice after school right you come home you shoot hoops you go out in the morning you shoot uh you know work on your handles or whatever it is right like there there are always things to be working on and improving and so you gotta you gotta play the game you know it's more than just your coaching session yeah exactly you gotta really work on it and that's almost like something i almost try and like when i coach with people sometimes i say i almost i try and guilt trip them into it it's like you know if you're gonna put this money forth yeah if you're gonna pay for the coaching like better be putting in the games besides that but now i've taken it to a next level recently where i'm like all right we're gonna come up with a number of games Mm -hmm. that you should at least be playing and make sure you're hitting like the maximum amount of games you can comfortably play week after week. Um, so I've got, it's gone further than me just saying, Hey, you're getting coaching. You should put in the extra effort and play a lot of games of Pokemon, try and play some online tournaments. Now it's gotten me gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, let's find some online tournaments you can routinely play or let's let's, or come up with a number of games on top of that, or instead of that, that you're going to be hitting each week to make sure you're playing, uh, keeping yourself honest and playing as much Pokemon. Yeah. Cause if you're going to go out of your way to get the coaching, you really yeah the, the reps are the things that matters the hundred yeah. of hours of pokemon outside of the hour of coaching is the biggest difference maker yeah the coaching can get you on track or keep you on track um or get you onto the different the next track the next level whatever um that you need to be on for the <laughs> coaching should just be a supplement to yeah you already playing you know however much pokemon unless that you're gonna is... pay me to literally play with you like eight hours a day but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's like if you're not gonna do that then not let's... only if you're gonna spend the money on like the coaching but if you're gonna spend the money to go to like the tournaments and stuff right you yeah, know like, it's yeah. such a big investment it almost feels silly to not I put in that extra time put in the time to like make sure that your investment has a chance to like bear fruit really yeah know? but i mean if you just want to roll up with like i don't know your lugia deck and just have fun with lugia that's that's fine as of well course, but like, there's course. like two different two different uh kinds it depends of players, on what you are hoping to get out of it right if if you're going because you love playing pokemon and you just want to have fun and play whatever deck that's like totally different than someone who like they're fighting to try to make top eight you know they want to prove themselves they want to be a competitor they want to get their world's invite whatever it is right yeah um and actually one of the th- one of the reasons we want to talk about coaching a little bit was not just my video um which you should go watch it's on twitter um also go watch henry brand's video as well it's on twitter as well his is like a lot shorter mm-hmm. um uh it doesn't cover all the points that i cover but it's really concise and really good uh a really good example so go watch henry brand's video and then uh <laughs> there was a tweet in the vgc community which is the first time i've seen anyone talk about coaching in the vgc community uh, yeah if you want to go ahead and read the tweet chip go ahead yeah, this comes from Lorsi, who's a pretty good VGC player. Says, I'm a VGC coach, and I will always be the first to tell you, don't pay for coaching and just grind the game. If you want insight from a player who you like, then paying isn't bad at all, and or if you can't play much at all. But the coaches learned by grinding and playing with friends. So he's saying, like, the coaches got to where they are by just, you know, playing the game themselves. So you should, you know, take a note from that. And Wolfie, who is one of the biggest names in VGC, probably the biggest name in VGC, yeah, he's like... Far the Tord and Azul of v- the VGC community, if anyone doesn't know. He's like surpassed he that, though. He's like almost he, mainstream YouTuber. He's like a Tord ate Azul and then became mainstream. <laughs> 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 With our powers combined, Tord, let's do it. We'll overtake Wolfie. <laughs> we'll have like uh, more for said, something. And... <laughs> and his reply was, it feels like there's a lot of weird, moralistic stuff going on with coaching. If people want to offer a service and other people want to pay for it, what's the problem if you pay for coaching and feel like it was a waste of money time then you probably wouldn't do it again and that's that and it, it almost so feels wolfie, like wolfie's kind of echoing what you were yeah, saying. yeah it was a great take like 
Yeah, great minds think alike here with Wolf. Like, Wolfie's take is literally just correct. Like, my take is also correct, and Henry's take is also correct. Uh, I actually think Lorsi, uh, Lorsi's take is bad. Now, he does clarify a little bit further with some of these replies that he's not saying you just, like, coaching is bad. He's just saying, I feel like the, the message he's trying to get out there is, like, you got to play a lot. And, this is what we're saying, too. And he's almost saying, like, there's no reason to pay for co coaching. The biggest thing is, like, do you have time to play a lot is a big thing, which I don't think he really clarifies in his initial tweet, which he probably should have. Um, but uh, I think he's saying if you do have the time to just play a lot, you should just play a lot and not get coaching, which I actually honestly disagree with. If if it's not a – if you can – like, if the, the, the money doesn't matter to you to pay for coaching – and you just want to get better fat, just pay for like, I think you should just pay for coaching. And I'm saying this as someone, you can't pay me for coaching because my schedule is full. So you have to go pay someone else for coaching. But I honestly think if you can afford coaching and you just want to get better, you should get coaching. And you might have to shop around a little bit to find what works for you or who you're looking for. Um, but I kind of disagree with his initial statement. I think you should go get coaching if you just want to get better faster. It, you do that for literally, and this is like another thing where this also just doesn't apply to literally, we, we would not apply this statement from Lorsi in any other aspect in life. If I want to go get better at basketball, I am hiring a basketball coach. If I want to get better at basketball by myself, I can do that, but I'm trying to get better faster. I'm going to hire a better, uh, but you can't get... go out and hire LeBron to teach you basketball. That's true. Cause he's, no, he's not... <laughs> yeah, I can't hire LeBron. Um, but yeah, there's like no reason, <laughs> there's no reason to not go get a coach. Like if I want to get better at, uh, I'm especially like, like skill set stuff like that, where there's so much to gain from, like there is, I was about to say like video editing, but most of my video editing I've learned from, honestly though, I would, if I want to get the, if I want to get better faster at video editing though, I would hire someone to teach me video editing. Like, I have what, thought what, about like taking a Adobe class to like get better at video editing, but I just don't do it enough to like, I've always make heard good like things about the, it. yeah, I've always heard good things about that site, uh, Skillshare, I think I've only ever heard yeah, good yeah, things yeah. about like the sites like Skillshare where it's like. People put classes. <laughs> that reminds. Didn't Ninja have a Fortnite class on Skillshare? Or am I trolling? No, how to be he a had streamer. A, he had a master class on how, on to, how stream. to be a streamer. <laughs> I actually watched. There's a really good. Do you know who Drew Gooden is? No, he's Wait. a commentary YouTuber. Yes, I've seen this video though. He did I... a really funny video reviewing the Ninja master class. Oh, that's and, the only it's the only bad thing I've heard about Skillshare yeah. honest, is <laughs> the Ninja Masterclass, I think, was not it for sure. No, would not recommend that one. But I've heard of good things besides that of people who have learned stuff on Skillshare. But yeah, like if, if you want to learn something fast and you have the money for it, um, then you you should like that's it doesn't make any sense to not. But also, it's point. not a requirement. I think yeah, that's it's not a requirement. Too. You don't well, I mean, have what... to get a coach to become a great Pokemon TCG player. Yeah, and that's what Lorsi's or Lorsi's saying, but I feel like he's not saying the other part of it, which is like if you can afford it and you want to get better faster, you it is beneficial. Oh, good coaching. Yeah, like I feel like he's like way too on one side, and then kind of backtracks a little bit in the replies. But that's because I think he didn't like fully. It's like his first tweet. He like stopped at the 280 characters and was like, "This is 280 characters. I'm just gonna stop here." <laughs> like, and didn't want to continue the thought process because he does like definitely change up his thoughts or he does clarify a little bit better in the replies where it's like, no, if you can't afford a coach and want to get a coach, you should get it. You go ahead, get a coach. Um, yeah. You don't have to pay for coaching. You don't need a coach, uh, but if you can afford it and you want to get better faster, it just, it just kind of makes sense. And then, like I said, we don't, we wouldn't treat this thought process to anything else in life that like Lorsi's, um initial take with the first week is like, we would not apply that thought process to literally anything else in life. So why would we all of a sudden apply it to, VGC or TCG coaching. We wouldn't. It's it's just the exact same thing. 
it's about it's not about vgc it's not about tcg it's about learning what is the correct and proper best ways to learn most efficient ways to learn um the, the question is just can you afford them i guess but besides that it's just like we know what those are we've been learning for <laughs> humans have been learning for a really long time and we've gotten better and better at it we're, we're refining the process so um, we already know that it works and it's it's best to uh, get someone else to teach us who's better at the thing that we're trying to learn so and i think yeah. another thing what just one more thing oh, go ahead we've been talking about this topic for a little bit but uh a point that we haven't hit as well is just because someone is a really good player does not mean they are a really good teacher and just because someone doesn't have results doesn't mean they're not a great teacher you know yeah yeah and i think that's an important thing too it's like uh it might be harder to learn from someone who has a bunch of top eights just because they don't have the you know ability to like convey how they approach like how they approach the game and their thought process and stuff like that compared to someone who's really good at like breaking down and uh forcing their student to like think and learn and stuff like that yeah definitely 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 yeah like i said i think there's a little bit of a, a barrier to learning like like the cores and fundamentals of a game if you are better than someone or eventually get better than someone but up until that point if they are better than you they will be able to teach you something and if they're a better teacher they'll be able to teach you more in less time and so on yeah all right. Yep. There it is. There's the coaching <laughs> episode, I guess. And uh, uh, kind of filler. We can, uh, yeah. Before we move on to our next part of the podcast, we do have to take a moment to say thank you to our amazing sponsor, Dragon Shield. We really appreciate the support they give us here at the Uncommon Energy Podcast. They make some of the best products in the game for sleeves and binders deck boxes play mats so much more azul probably has no clue what color he's rocking this weekend i got the tangerines this weekend Ooh. we're locking on tangerines yeah i've like gone through my mishmash of like random colors and now i'm just on basically just tangerines tangerines and then <clears throat> dragon shield's hooking me up with uh some more sleeves to close out the rest of the season i got the auroras coming in a case uh, a case or so of auroras coming in so I'm all stocked up, ready to go. Got the tangerines for this weekend. Excited to rock them. And uh, yeah, big shout out to Dragon Shield, as always, you know, for sponsoring the podcast. Check them out over at dragonshield.com. You can use the code UEPOD. I almost always say EU. Why does that make sense? Because of the EU. UEPOD. <laughs> I was like, why do I say, why am I like gravitates, gravit gravitating towards saying EU? But then I was like, oh, the EU. Yeah. UEPOD to receive 5% off. <laughs> Check out our link in the uh, description below if you're on YouTube. If not, you can make your way over to YouTube and go click on the link. Yeah, if you purchase anything with that link, it does support us a little bit, but it's also helping you get a little bit of a discount on some of the best products in the game. Once again, that code is UEPOD, U-E-P-O-D. Thanks a bunch to Dragon Shield for sponsoring the cast. Yeah. One thing I would say, like, just to kind of, because I had this thought, I'm hoping just, like, I, mean, I don't think we're ever going to talk about this coaching takes ever again, but hopefully it does shut some of them down. And like I said, I just want to get that. the. I feel like people didn't really counter the people who were making these statements too often, but hopefully, you know, this kind of sets people on track to like understand how they should be viewing the idea of coaching. You don't need it. You don't have to have it. If you want to get it, go for it. There we go. It's a free country. Do what you want. <laughs> well, <laughs> You can get coaching from other countries, I guess. Not yeah, everywhere's sure, America. Sure. <laughs>
All right. And with that being said, it's time to move on to everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. Guess that flavor text where each week Azul or I picks a card, reads the flavor text from it, and has the other host try to guess which Pokemon that card belongs to. You get to use three lifelines to potentially help you whittle down your answer. Those lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and read an attack name. We do keep score. You can play for points. You get four points if you get it right without any lifelines, and then you lose a point for each lifeline that you choose to use. Current score is 16 to 11. I had an excellent opportunity last week. It was kind of crazy you didn't get it. People were roasting you in the to comments. To get another four-pointer. Should have at least gotten three, I guess, but I don't know. I'm kind of fine with how I <laughs> locked it in. A lot of people were saying that I I threw away an easy one, but I don't they know, were man. saying that they were they were they're coming for you a little bit. <laughs> hey, I guess it's not totally unfounded, but this week it is my turn to pick a card for Azul, and I've got one picked out here. Are you ready to hear it? I'm ready, Chip. Hit me with it. All right. With their large mandibles, these Pokemon can crunch their way through rock. They work together to protect their eggs from Sandaconda. Oh, dude, I have like a Pokemon in my head. Like, is it Kabuto? No, Kabuto could be Kabuto. Doesn't it have the? I think Kabuto has the things. Maybe it is just Kabuto. But no, but Kabuto's a fossil, so that doesn't make any sense. Is fossil Pokemon? I mean, they have to live, you know. Well, yeah, but I don't think they live with Sandacondas. Uh, go ahead, read to me one more time, and then I'll. With their large mandibles, these Pokemon can crunch their way through rock. They work together to protect their eggs from Sandaconda. All right, so I think it's a basic Pokemon. The work together to protect their eggs is just weird. Like, I don't even know what to like think. If that's like, I'm trying to think, like multiple Pokemon together. What's coming to my mind now is Heracross. Um, or the freaking, I guess it could be like the Dung Beetle Pokemon. Are those mandibles as well? See, I don't know exactly what a mandible is. Um, but was it Rolo? Ro, Ro, something Roll? It has like a face too. It's like a weird looking Pokemon. Um, but I think there'd be, I'm just going to, I think I actually want to lock in. Well, let, let me, let me go with what stage the Pokemon is first. I'm not going to make the chip mistake here. Mm, it is a basic. Well, now I just kind of want to lock in Heracross. I could let's go one further though. Two points would be I'm steadily making my comeback if I just get, can walk away with two here. So let's go with an attack name. Adversity Jaws. Uh, I mean, I that could be Heracross. I can't think of anything else to be honest. I don't think knowing the set that it's from would tell me if it's it is or isn't Heracross. Probably. So I'm just gonna lock in Heracross. It is not Heracross. All right, we'll give not me the, Heracross. the last lifeline here. The last lifeline, what set the card is from. It is from Fusion Strike, which I feel like is a pretty popular set choice for us. <laughs> there, could be a, there could be a Heracross in there, as far as I know. Well, Heracross was not the guess. Was it, uh, is it the, the Dung Beetle Pokemon? Relor, no. That did not no. exist when Fusion Strike came out. Mm. All right, well. Hit us with it. The Pokemon is Durant. Oh, of course. Yeah. Durant. You know, it's really funny. Most of Durant's flavor texts have something to do with Heatmore. Like Heatmore and Durant are like 
Mm, but that does you but like the flavor text does give it away a little bit more right because it said what together or something they band yeah. together and pack the eggs yeah so that i should have probably tried to think a little bit harder about pokemon with like the what are they called mandibles but they just look like yeah yeah i was kind of yeah, surprised I, I you knew what those were to be honest because i i wasn't like if I you told me that word it. i would be like i'm not really sure what that means yeah i knew i knew it was something like the, well, you said it crushed rock so i immediately was like oh it's like a thing on a bug and yeah, it has to be sure. the things that like Caesar or not Caesar Heracross has clues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like those because I've definitely heard the word before. If I if you didn't say the if you just said mandible, I probably wouldn't know what it was. But because you sure, said sure. it in the context, yeah, I got it. I got to the point where I knew what they were or basically knew what they were. I assume that's what Heracross has as well. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I'm close enough. Yeah, I should have maybe tried to think a little bit more. I don't even remember Durant having mandibles to be honest. In my Heracross head, Durant is more a horn. Oh yeah, Heracross doesn't even have it. You're right. It, I thought for some reason I thought it did have like two things on the side of its head. But you're right. It doesn't really have the mandibles. It does have just like the horn. Oops. I guess <laughs> I kind of goofed that one because I. Yeah, Durant. I didn't even remember like having those those like the mandibles <laughs> in the front of its uh, on its mouth or whatever in front of its mouth on the sides of its mouth whatever it's called. I didn't even remember those to be honest. I don't think I would have got to Durant. Maybe if I just really thought really really hard about Pokemon that are like come together in like a pack. Well, not really worth situation. thinking about what could have been because what was <laughs> is the fact that you got zero points. Let us zero know down points. in the comments were you able to get to Durant correctly. I also could have thought about like eggs a little bit more to be honest. I didn't really like put too much thought into the idea of eggs. I was like, what? What is the? All the Pokemon egg lay eggs, you know. Oh, that's true. Don't, aren't all? Yeah, all Pokemon lay eggs. I didn't even like get. Yeah. All right, well, that now it just went right over my head. That's true. <laughs> well, then why all does it care so much about? Why does it care so much about? Sandaconda. There's eggs. Yeah, there's eggs everywhere. Apparently, yeah. I don't know. Sandaconda was fiending for some Durant eggs. It's their I favorite guess. flavor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it must be. All right. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our Charlotte meta talk, meta predictions. Just discussing the tournament in general as well. We've said it many times in the last like six to. 12 months talking about the largest tournament ever the largest regionals ever it's back again it is back again but it might be tough for something to pass this to be honest 2200 plus masters registered for the event right now there's going to be over 227 seniors most likely and if there is over 227 seniors that will trigger a two-day swiss tournament can you imagine if can you imagine what the tournament will look like if there's like 220 seniors and they have to play eight rounds of swiss bro they'll be cooked by like round eight everyone's <laughs> just gonna be it's gonna be, Dude, a throw fest it's gonna at that be like you're gonna have to go seven and one to make cut <laughs> like everyone's just gonna they'll just like call like an everyone ties round because all the kids need to go to bed yeah well um, that might be what happens when they have <laughs> nine rounds of swiss plus uh day two um yeah so that's going to be pretty crazy if that does end up happening. Uh, well, how many are they? I don't even know how many they're at because, like, there's going to be some no shows, obviously. So I don't even know if they'll get there. Yeah. Overload tweeted the numbers. I'll see if I can find it real quick. It'll be close, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get the day two in this one. Um, and then it is very close. Yeah. I mean, NAIC, then they they would probably get there at NAIC, to be honest. They'll get the day two at NAIC. Um, and the only other regional more than anything. Yeah, but I think we'll get. I think we'll have the space for it at NAIC, to be honest. And then the only other regionals, like Orlando and Indianapolis, still still could be the biggest regional of the year. I think for sure. 
Um, it definitely won't be Los Angeles or Vancouver, but it, Orlando or Indianapolis could definitely be. That kind of depends on is there enough space is the biggest thing, right? And if there is, are the people going to show up? We could get close for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that the a big reason as to why this one is so big is because of how much space there is. Um, yeah. That might be the key. <laughs> if, I mean, we were at, at Charlotte last year for anyone who was there. You know, I think it was a pretty large tournament. It was like 1,400, 1,500 people. Uh, but there was a huge section of the tournament hall that was just empty. It was totally yeah. empty. Uh, so that space can definitely be filled in. They'll, like, they'll have access to it. So I think that's definitely part of it. And if you think about the venues we've been to that we're going back to, like Orlando, think about where we were last year. That was the biggest tournament of all time at that point, 1,500 Masters. Can you imagine yeah. fitting another, you know, thousand people I, in there for all the I, games? There was, they had a lot of halls though. There's a lot of sure, halls. Sure, sure. That thing's huge. Wherever we were, I don't know if we're going to be there. Are we in the same place? I'm actually not. I assume so. Sure. I said uh, that international drive looks familiar. So I'm assuming so. So overload events did tweet the numbers currently 222,268 masters, 244 seniors, and then Even the juniors is getting juniors. close. It'd be kind of crazy if we get to the point where like all three divisions have nine rounds and day Plus two. Day two, yeah. It'd be pretty crazy. Um, seniors would get so much more competitive, to be honest. That's that's actually pretty sick for the seniors because right now, um, uh, there was even like a junior I coached at Portland who went five one one and they got ninth. That kind of sucks. It does suck. <laughs> that yeah, that sucks. Is, honestly, like seniors and juniors, it's uh, it's been like that for it's a long brutal. time. That's yeah, it's, it has been brutal to make it into top eight. I almost um, wonder if like seniors and juniors should like get a top 16 if they don't get a day two. Like, I don't even think that would be like a terrible thing to give them. There's time for them to have that extra round to play out as well. I almost feel like maybe seniors, juniors and seniors, if they hit the day two mark, then they get the nine plus five like we do. But if they don't get there, maybe they should get a top 16. What's a normal brutal. tie rate for a tournament? Like 10%, something like that? 15, 10 to 15? I think I think so. All right. So a two-day tournament of oh, uh, 227 people. According to the limitless calculator, is looking like you're going to need 29 to 30 match points to be safe, which is a record of 10 and four, which is mm -hmm. way more forgiving than having to go oh, seven yeah. or six one one and then bubble out, right? Definitely, definitely. So this is like a benefit of this, also for sure. Also, if you look over there on the left hand side, 18 points will make day two because it'll yes. be top 32 or everyone with 19 points yes so it, it, you'll like like if you're a senior listening to this play out your last round because if you go six and three you're still in day two yes you have a chance to go seven and two so it should be and basically like, it's also safe. not it's totally different between seniors and masters right because there's so many people in masters that if you id at six and two your chances to make top eight are diminished super heavily right yeah of course there's that whole discussion of what you're trying to play for you're trying it's to just goal. play more yeah, pokemon yeah, yeah. whatever anyway we've talked about that plenty of times <laughs> But in this position, as seniors, you know, uh, you can make it into day two. And even if you go into day two at six and three, you, still make top you can lose a round. You have to go yeah. four and one, which, you know, is probably going to be tough. But you can go four and one and still make top eight. Yeah, round is a round anyway. So if you're playing this round now or tomorrow, it's just the same thing. If you lose yeah. and go six, three, you're still making day two. So, um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, especially the newer viewers, day two is whatever is greater, top 32, or everyone with 19 match points, whichever there's more of, yeah. yeah. But we have we're getting to the point where we have like 250 people with 19 match points, so it's, it hasn't been close for a long time. But yeah. back in the day, we yeah. used to have top 32 making day two, um, and not the 19 match points. But yeah, for the seniors, for these 
these first couple first day twos, you will be able to just kind of comfortably play out that six and two record. Um, and then either you're going at seven, two, or you're going at six and three, but you're, you, when you wake up tomorrow, you're playing to, you're playing out all your rounds anyway. So it makes no, no sense to not play out that ninth round right there. Um, but as soon as you get up to the 300 mark or a little bit past like towards 300, that's where you might want to ID to just get six, two, one in today too. Yeah, for sure. And the, and the limitless Swiss calc, which is the tool that we're using here. It's a rough estimate. It's a rough estimate. It's definitely not perfect. Uh, but, you know, as the numbers are adjusting, I, pl I just plugged in 227 for this. Like, as the numbers are adjusting, you can always try to uh, uh, change what you think, like the tie rate's going to be and all that stuff like that. So yeah, so it is possible even at 227 that some 18-pointers might not make day two. So don't right. take what I'm saying here as fact. It's just like it'll it looks like it'll be pretty comfortable and there also could be a world where like if you could bubble out if you lose maybe it you actually should id in right yeah, like if yeah, there's yeah, gonna exactly. be like seven or eight that miss yeah, you probably yeah. do want to id in and it wouldn't be hard to do the math as well for that it'd be pretty yeah, easy. yeah exactly uh yeah gonna be the wild west for a lot of uh <laughs> you know senior players out there uh enjoy it though i mean it's a lot more pokemon and it's just more beneficial right it's like yeah it takes the a little bit of the variance out when you play those extra rounds right because like even if you're the best senior player in the whole division, you know, you can hit a terrible matchup round one and round two, start 02 or 011, and then win out the rest of your rounds. But because you started 011, your resistance is not going to be good and you're going to bubble out. But now that's like you, you can just win your rounds and get to day two, your resistance resets and go from there. Yeah. It's definitely going to take some getting used to, especially like for the parents as well, because they're going to have some very burnt out kids after nine rounds of day one compared to like the seven they used to have. But um, yeah, they'll get like, it'll be like an adjustment. And I'm sure like the seniors overall, especially the more competitive ones, are going to love it. More rounds, you know, it's a higher chance for them to do well. We're going to see some more consistency in the seniors division as well. There's already like a decent amount of consistency in the lower divisions just because uh, the skill gap is so much higher. But I guess it kind of just adds to that, to be honest. Like, well, we've seen some insane, uh, some pretty insane numbers. Like if we get to if we get to the point where every regional has the nine plus five, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a senior player who date who got like top eight at every single regional. Like in yeah, season. for sure, like that seems really reasonable. With if they I mean, you think about the two. difference of what you need to make top eight at a masters tournament, right? Uh, minimum record of what like eleven two two, and that's like probably bubbling out at this point now yeah we're bubbling out of charlotte for sure they're not yeah. all 35s are not going to make it that's yeah uh and then compare that to you know needing to go 10 and 4 like that's a totally achievable goal right <laughs> or else that's a lot of l's to take i'm fine with that i'll take yeah, that. That's yeah, a lot taking of four l's. L's. yeah it's a lot of l's but we can still make top uh top cut who cares we'll take those I did l's see kind of an interesting while we're kind of on this topic i did want to bring this up because i did see kind of an interesting point this is actually brought up by um a parent of some kids that I coach as well uh, on one of the overload tweets where they tweeted about 229 seniors about like, you know, getting to the day two triggering and stuff. Uh, he put out here and said, I vote the future regional cap for juniors and seniors stay at 226, at least until the demand makes that impractical. And it, Unexpected day two will likely force some parents to incur significant expenses to rebook flight slash hotel or drop their child from the tournament. That is, I think, an element of this. Like mm. everyone is focused on the excitement of the last second, like, oh, we're getting to a day two Swiss. But that adds a lot more tournament rounds. People are flying in for these tournaments and stuff like that. And if when you booked your travel months ago, you didn't even have this as a thought in your head. Now, all of a sudden, you have to rebook flights for you and your kid or you, your 
uh, spouse and your kid or whatever, you know, it, uh, and two kids or whatever, it does, that is an element, right? Do these parents have no faith in their kids to make top eight, bro? <laughs> just well, like, Timmy's well, no, not cutting they it. do. They do. It's just that they would, they're normally done by noon, you know? They can oh, book a, okay, sure, sure, they sure. They can book sure. a four o'clock fight, flight and be fine. But now if their kid makes top eight, they're going to have to change their flight, right? Yeah. Okay. 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 That's, I guess that in that situation, I was like, we're leaving Sunday morning because Timmy's not making top eight. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, but like oh, normally even like the tournament is done for seniors normally by yeah. noon, right? Mm -hmm. That is fair. Um that's tough. Overall, though. I think it is still like a good thing. Yeah, it's right? definitely a positive. I'm like thinking about that situation specifically. Is that something they should do? That's tough. I know like you know the seniors want to get their day to be able to have their day two and play as often as they can, as many times as they can. I don't know, that's just kind of tough. I I mean I'm kind of against it overall as like a competitive person. Um, because if you I was a senior, play who can, yeah, if right? I was a senior and I could have day two, like I want day. Why would you take our day? Like it feels like when uh, it felt like that the European uh, European events in the Masters division, they were cutting it off right before they got to a sixth round in day two. Um, like some of the, I don't think they actually were, but some of the tournament center events were like uh, seven hundred and fifty Masters. It's like, well, why not just go to eight? Give us the sixth round, you know, uh, in day two um so I, I don't know that felt pretty bad in the master side of things um, of course it's different because like it's just one more round and you know you're gonna have at least the five so five to six doesn't really matter but yeah as a competitor it kind of sucked to be honest and the kids are competitive so yeah um yeah I, i'm not a big fan of the idea of that but i under i definitely understand it and i i guess if they did go that way it wouldn't be completely unreasonable i think more than anything you know it's like definitely annoying for you know if if this does start to happen more often it's like annoying for the parents well, to like have to think about and rebook know. and change those plans yeah. for these first couple but maybe it's something you have to like kind of factor in now when you're booking travel for future events right especially for naic oh yeah i think orlando indianapolis and naic you should like if yeah, I, I honestly it's just like even if Charlotte doesn't have a day two for seniors, like any of those could. So yeah, I would just be like, yeah, I would I would plan as if there's a day two for seniors at and honestly, juniors is not that far at NAIC. One ninety four. <laughs> yeah, at NAIC, juniors could definitely have a day two, even at one of these other ones too, like at Orlando or Indianapolis, juniors could definitely have a day two. Yeah, um, which so. this is a really good thing too. We talked about this a little bit, um, like a couple years ago now at this point it was like last season we brought it up as well yeah kind about of lack how of... it didn't feel like the juniors and seniors divisions were growing like how yeah. the numbers were not super high like there were some juniors tournaments uh at regionals in like especially the west coast ones back in like 2022 that had like 30 40 people at them <laughs> like it was like oh man it feels really bad but now i think a big part of this is like when we've had league cups come back into the Local. into the system you know and people are competing locally and it's driving them to you know chase a world's invite and stuff like that we're seeing growth in the younger divisions which leads to growth in the game for like years to come so it's like a super positive thing to see happening for sure and actually to be honest more i think and i've kind of come around i used to talk in the past about we should get rid of juniors division go to two divisions or just only have masters but i think i actually I, I had a discussion on my on my with my stream like last year sometime kind of going back and forth about it and i think my conclusion after that discussion i don't even remember what we talked about but i remember my opinion changing to being like you know what yeah we probably should just have juniors and seniors it probably just makes sense to have them um and i don't think they're going anywhere either even if i don't want them i don't think pokemon's changing anything anytime soon um and honestly it's kind of cool to see the, the the divisions be this big it's just like such a positive yeah like you said it's a positive uh thing for the game to see the younger divisions like be thriving um, and the big thing was like definitely a lack of locals because I actually ran into like um, some people last season and the post COVID half season where they were like they went to the regional but they didn't play because it's like their first time they didn't know what to expect they didn't know if they want to yeah. you know uh, commit to the full weekend or whatever 
um they're like you know we're just gonna we haven't played locally at all yet or anything there's no locals either so like you know we just came to see what was happening see what it's like to, to be at a regional so yeah it's a, it's a super i didn't even think about it like that it's a super good sign for the game as well um that uh they're getting close to their day twos well let's go ahead and move on and talk about the meta for this tournament now for the last several tournaments it's been pretty solidly charizard in first place is the most played deck charizard still did fine in portland like you had your top eight finish of course um and there was plenty of them in day two but giratina emerged as a much more prevalent deck and obviously ended up winning the tournament close matchup there with the charizard i know you said after playing it more you really feel like it's kind of 50 50 but i um, got the tm diva i think you're kind of stomped but not many people play that yeah yeah but i think it is a little bit of a question mark now uh charizard i think for you know portland san antonio it was the definite this is going to be the most popular deck I don't know that it necessarily feels like that going into this weekend. What do you think? Yeah, definitely not. Um, it's definitely going to be close. I think I could actually see it being like the third most popular deck. It'd be hard for it to fall that far, though, I feel like. But we yeah. did see that fall from Maridon, right? Maridon was 17% at San Antonio. Come to Portland, it's 10%, which I predicted, by the way. So, like, um, I, it could happen, right? But I don't think people are as are as down bad on Charizard as they were on Maridon as they were with Maridon. I don't think they should be. I don't think Charizard's like in a truly terrible spot or anything. It's just not as good. Uh, Tina's more popular, which uh, like I said, I, if they're not like tech for you, and especially with like John winning with the three path build, like three path is so much easier. It's such a big difference yeah. to play against three path as opposed to four, to be honest. It's like a huge difference. So if you're going to be rocking the three paths, that's a plus. Uh, TMD didn't win, which is also a plus for Charizard because if Sam had won with the TMD, they're probably a little bit more, of that around but there's gonna be a decent amount of team devo in general so you gotta be uh gotta be careful of that team so devo's it, from the charizards yeah from the char i think the tm devo the it's out there now everyone knows about tm devo um not just in charizard not just in tina but like you can put in literally anything to have a better charizard matchup to be honest um, some decks it doesn't make a ton of sense. like i wouldn't play team Devo and golden go probably but um some decks it makes more sense than others for sure so um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be more hostile for Charizard. I feel like I felt I thought Portland would maybe be the peak of hostility, but I feel like the T, the idea of TM Devo in the meta hadn't developed as much as it could, and we'll kind of see that you know, final development here at Charlotte. So it'll be a little bit more hostile for Charizard, but you can't really go wrong with Charizard. Still, I feel like overall, but it won't be head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of popularity anymore. It'll be close to Tina, if not maybe the I could I could see Guardi or Maridon maybe passing Zard but I'm leaning towards Tina probably being the most popular. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards as well. I mean, we've seen it convert really well into day twos. Obviously, it just won the last tournament. Uh, it was first and second place deck, and it's also, uh, I feel like, a pretty approachable deck in the format as well. I think a huge factor for this tournament as well, 2,200 people. There's definitely going to be a decent percentage of people who are just kind of going to their one tournament of the year, right? Like local yeah. or you know driving distance, whatever it is. Um, so I think that'll have a factor. And what deck are people playing who are going to their like one tournament of the year? Now, just because someone's going to their one tournament of the year doesn't mean they're not like a competitive player, right? Like they might be playing in their locals and stuff. They just don't have the time or resources to travel to all the tournaments. Uh, so, you know, a lot of those people are still going to be playing to win, you know, trying to play the best deck for the tournament. Um, so what does that become, you know? Is it yeah. the Charizard still? Does Charizard feel like the deck that's going to win this weekend in Charlotte? I, I mean, less so than it has been. I, I mean, I think that Tina is that deck that people are going to gravitate towards for sure. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, they're gonna gravitate towards their their Tinas. I guess like the one question there could be is like how much is we just came from the West Coast and we're going to the East Coast, so we haven't had an East Coast tournament um, like full East, right? Because we were in what Dallas or Texas before that. Yeah. So I do think there is some like re- region bias with really that our a only little bit. East Coast tournament has been Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think there's like some region bias where it's like if Europe has their tournament where Charizard's the most popular, it's like post that tournament, it's like, okay, well, Charizard's probably not as great moving forward because it was the most popular, did the best. Whereas like America still has to have their tournament where Charizard's the most popular. Um, so I feel like that does kind of happen region to region where it's like if there's a if there's back-to-back tournaments Europe into America, the medals will be very similar for those tournaments um, because the the tournament there's not enough turnaround for people to adjust to what happened in Europe fully. Um, and people don't just want to drop their decks and pick up a new deck just because of what happened in Europe. They're just going to maybe adapt their list, tech for the controls or tech for um, what else seems like they're going to be the most popular decks in in the in your in the region that's happening second. Um, but I guess maybe there could be some of that with um, just kind of East Coast West Coast in America as well, or East West Central. Like we haven't had an East Coast tournament in a little bit, so now. Okay. So, you know, as someone who's played Charizard these last two tournaments, right, and you've kind of seen how the yeah. meta has evolved to hate on Charizard, you know, a lot more of those TM Devos, He's what is him, Charizard's answer for that, right? Are we adding the second Charmeleon, or is it something like you just got to be more mindful of your resources? I think that's a big part of it, right? Like, yeah, TM Devo's out Not of there. Extending your red candies, stuff like yeah. that, for sure. Um, I mean, I think Radiant Charizard probably comes back into the deck because it's a super efficient late game attacker. Don't fall. Second Charmeleon is also interesting, but it's not something I've actually really tested a ton with. But like theoretically, it's just good to combat TM Devo. Um, but I don't know about that. <laughs> but it doesn't combat Silene for some rare <laughs> That's candy. That's a fifth rare candy, bro. It, is, it could be a sixth rare candy. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, the problem with like the extra Charmeleon, though, it doesn't really. Um, it's not like a, it's not anything different. But the Radiant Charizard kind of gives you something different to work with for sure. sure so. Um, and with that, like, I would include the... And then we actually, for Portland, maybe should have done this anyways. There's some, like... Vitality Band has its situations where it's better than Choice Belt, but Choice Belt is pro. If you're going to put the Radiant Charizard in there as well, you may as well hit for 280 against Atina. Um, so it yeah. also allows you to hit the 330 against Rapid Strike, which that matchup is terrible if the Rapid Strike player plays well. Um, but if they slip up a couple times or just don't draw very well, then the Choice Belt can come in clutch for sure to close out on a, on a VMAX. So looking at Lost Tina, I think it'll probably, you know, we're, it sounds like we're both kind of thinking that it might be the most popular. I think there's a change. Yeah. It still just remains up there, but it'll be close. though if it does, it'll be like 15, 14 or something. Sure, sure. But if Lost Tina does become the most popular deck, um, you know, which way do you think people should look towards what list to to kind of mimic with the way they go? You know, are we playing the Manaphy? like John did, or are we leaving it out like Sam did? Are we adding in the TM Devo? Are we getting the fourth path in there? Like, what are the techs, those last few spots that you feel like are really beneficial for Giratina heading into this weekend? Um, well, I wouldn't play... One thing, I, so there are things that I like about some lists. Like, I like the no Manaphy. I know Bradner's a big fan of it for the mirror match, but I don't think it does that much in the mirror match. Um, I generally like four path. I do like the Avery, I think, heading into the tournament, because I think Guardi will be fairly popular and actually do fairly well as well. So I kind of like the idea of the Avery. Um, TM Devo, I feel like people are pretty, are, are a little bit more down on Charizard. So I don't know if I want to commit to the TM Devo for that matchup because the matchup's like fine. It's like 50-50. So I don't know if I'm trying to tech for, for Charizard going to this 
uh because like the the most down people have been on charizard um or i guess we could just call it least popular charizard will have been for the next uh for a little while right so uh so i feel like maybe don't it's not worth teching for the charizard uh because of that but you can't really go wrong with the tmd just because it's good against gardevoir as well um, so if we are thinking about maybe the tech for Gardevoir, so maybe that makes sense more to play the TM Diva than the Avery, because then you have like a little bit of a tech for a card that's good against Gardevoir as well as Charizard. So maybe it is just kind of like the universal tech, but Avery is a draw supporter in every matchup in any situation you want a draw supporter. So that's like the value of playing like the Avery. Um, so I haven't really fleshed out those tech cards enough to have too strong of an opinion. The one thing I definitely don't think I like, I don't really like the Manaphy. Um, and I, I do like the fourth path. It's it's really good in the, in the Charizard matchup. Um, just being able to constantly pressure them with path and try and get one to stick. Uh, and be more likely to do like the double Roxanne path plays at the end, or, like Roxanne path into Roxanne path. Um, and then it's also good against Gardevoir too, which is like another deck I'm, I'm not playing in super like high fear of, but like it's there. Gardevoir's there. And it's like, you know, if the, if the Guardi heads want to roll up, you know, it's going to have a good tournament. It kind of depends on if the Guardi heads roll up or not though. I guess I was going to say Michael Davidson and Bodie Robinson will probably roll up with Gardevoir, but <laughs> Jake Gearhart as well. There's some diehards out there for sure, but it, we need like, if there's a couple more that decide to to bring it, like the Cal Connors, who like sometimes bring it or sometimes don't, um, it'll have a pretty successful tournament kind of based on how many people choose to bring it. So I guess I think an important question around the Gardevoir right now, especially after the match this weekend between Jake and Isaiah, <laughs> is this card worth playing in the deck you've got to see it in full form uh, probably not the matchup that it's most useful for yeah it's there for iron hands yeah um and i actually think maradon's like in a pretty good spot i think it'll be more popular it's pretty maybe. good against urshifu too by the way um oh it is pretty good against urshifu too but to be honest rapid strike is like what rapid strike is probably just i've i've come down a little bit i've come down off my high off rapid strike a little bit recently because just because i think the deck is a little bit clunk a little bit more clunky than I initially gave it credit for because these metas have lined up for Rapid Strike two tournaments in a row and zero top eights. Like the metas I felt like have been so good theoretically for Rapid Strike. Uh, maybe not so much actually at Portland because Mew kind of had its way overall. Mew was definitely the most successful deck of the tournament. Okay, so San Antonio was lined up uh, and Mew's kind of back on its back on its bs so maybe rapid strike just can't line up very well for this tournament but yeah i guess rapid strike tournament was san antonio it didn't really do it there i mean uh landing got ninth so it was close the bubble out um but yeah i don't, I don't think i'm teching for rapid strike basically is what i'm trying to say so if you want it for the maridon go for it but it does like it's not great in many other matchups like it's really good against iron hands really good against iron hands like lost pile with hands isn't really a thing Maridon is still there, um, but it's not like Deoxys just fixes the matchup and you just win. You still need to get those pieces together and you still be cooking after that as well. Because they could go hands for two and then KO your Deoxys afterwards immediately with a Raichu. And if you don't have a response to that, then you're kind of cooked, right? So, um, yeah, it doesn't just like solve the matchup for you. Um, and actually, to be honest, if they hands for two first and then you Deoxys, what do you do if they Tapu Coco your Deoxys? Just get those two prize cards. Are we right? expecting people are playing the Tapu Coco still? Oh yeah, I, I don't know That's why. That's the next cut question. It. I, I feel don't know like why when we move why on you'd... to Maridon. I don't know why you'd cut the. Cut well, the do we expect Charizards to play Switch? Right, because like I do. So what like we... the Coco loses basically all of its value if Charizard just has a Switch in its deck, right? That's true. I guess if they had, well, uh, theoretically, you're gonna maybe be going back to the Path Judge build like uh, Moffat got top eight with. Um, but he had Coco still. 
Yeah, with the Coco. That's what I'm saying. But sure. if Charles are playing the actual Switch, um, then it's unlikely the Coco ever sticks. If people are playing Turo, though, Coco's got a good shot of sticking. Sure. You can't Arvin for Turo. Um, and if you do, you're cheating. And even if you do, you then have to also somehow play a Turo after you Arvin for it, which is not, also not possible. <laughs> but you can just Arvin for a Switch and get out of it. And that's why we played the Switch over something like a Turo or even an Escape Rope. The Switch is just like the best card to answer Coco. So if people adopt the Switch technology, then Coco's probably not worth playing. But I don't know. I don't know how far people are going to go with playing a Switch card to begin with. Um, or are they going to go to their Turo route? Because if they go the Turo route, if you could, if you predict people playing Turos, then I would keep the Coco. But if you predict people playing Switches, I would cut the Coco. Looking at Maridon for this tournament, I think after San Antonio, basically everyone... Well, it felt like the masses, at least, like most people kind of just threw yeah. the like flaffy Maridon with the researches and Ionos kind of to the side. And it was all about the PE Maridon. But if we're looking at the results from Portland, you know, Flaffy Maridon did pretty good overall. Obviously, Nick Moffat with his top eight. And he also like had, he was the first seed going into top cut as well. Yeah. Um, Even you know, yeah, had a rough draw against, was lined up as pretty good as well because hit Bodie, which is a good matchup. Um, but I had some rough draws. I don't know if you saw that picture of his. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Oh, it did was we? Like, yeah, it's pretty bad. He started Flaffy and then just like unplayed or something. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, people back on. I mean, it's like fifty-fifty, right? Right in the Portland, at least it was like fifty-fifty. Um, people still like the PE builds. The path what are the like you... pros and cons of one over the other? Yeah, so the path build is that like, gives you the better Charizard matchup. Um, I think your Gardevoir matchup is better with the Peony build because you can just have a faster hands and you always yeah. play two hands yep. for the most part. Whereas like we're seeing these path builds have like one hands in them. Um, so like if they can respond to the first hands, uh, ideally you just want to respond with another hands into their shiny arcana and get two more prize cards. But if you only play one hands, you can't do that. Unless you have the super odd, but even then you have to like draw pretty well to be able to like get it back and then go get it again. So it's really the Zard matchup. I think that the paths bring the most um the most power against like this the, the the most reason to play the path builders is like for the better Charizard matchup, but Charizard is kind of on the decline a little bit, right? So um, going back to the Peony build, I guess would make a little bit of sense with the decline of Charizard, but does it make enough sense? It's not declining like a whole ton. Like the Peony build is probably a bit better against the Giratinas as well. Yeah, more stadium outs, so you don't yeah. get cheesed by path. Um, you're really just going to be swinging turn after turn after turn. So um, I guess the question would games. just be is like, the question would just be like, I guess I'm not convinced that the peony build is even not that it's not good, but that it's actually worth playing ever over the research build, just like fundamentally. I'm not convinced of that yet, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's pretty close though. It's because we still see like, you know, Moffat choosing to play the, the, the research build and like still doing well. Um, like I said, one of the reasons to go to the path build is to go back to be able to like have a better Charizard matchup, but oh, yeah, I'm still actually not convinced. Cause it's, I think it's pretty close. Cause there definitely is times where you play the peony build and you're like, bro, I'm just like, I have no options every single turn. I'm living off my top deck where it's like with the research build. You're like, and another research. I'll draw seven more cards. Like, yeah. um, you have Iono. So if you fall behind, you like yeah, have a chance to win the game. Essential. So, so yeah. I'm not, I'm not actually quite sold on that. That peony build is actually good to be honest. Not, not, it's like is good in like, in like the spectrum of Pokemon decks in the meta. It's on the good side of things. But when we're talking about what are the good, good decks, I feel like it might be a bad, good deck. I'm not convinced yet, to be honest. Well, now that we've talked about a bad good deck, let's talk about some good bad decks, maybe. 
if we're looking at these meta results, I mean, this is from online tournaments. Of course, the hype is there. The it's go. kind of ridiculous that the third and fourth most popular deck online the past seven days have been Roaring Moon and Golden Go as well. What the heck? People just like playing fun Pokemon decks, right? There's a lot. Of, there's a decent amount of Golden Go hype here for sure recently. Um, yeah, the Golden Go has been uh, having some hype. The Roaring Moon hype, I think, is kind of a carryover from kind of the hands Roaring Moon hype that was built up pre-Portland. It's kind of carrying over a little bit. Um, so we see that Gardevoir's down there at 5% in these online tournaments, but that's it's going to be 10% at the regional, right? Maridon's down there at 6.2. It's going to be 10% at least at the regional. So, yeah, we see the top two dogs, Tina and Zard. Those will be the top two dogs probably at Charlotte. Um, but, yeah, in online tournaments, things do get a little funky where you have this stuff like the Golden Goes and the Roaring Moons pop up, which will probably both be like 4 maybe 5%. Golden Go will probably be like 3% at Charlotte, right? So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just like when cool new decks I and mean, people just like playing cool new pokemon decks and like there's like the hype behind the golden go and the roaring moon as being like the cool new pokemon decks to like try out so that's really all that it is uh, it's not there's not too much to read into like these decks will not be on the the day one meta graphic at all is there merit to be playing either of them though for the tournament no i don't think so golden go i think maybe had its moment at uh it's best moment. It's kind of weird. I talked to us on, on my stream the other day. I think Golden Go's best, the best time to play Golden Go was at San Antonio because it has a good Mariana matchup, I feel like, and it's got a good Charger matchup for sure because um, that was 18 and 17% of the meta. But the technology of the Palkia build of Golden Go really hadn't been discovered yet. So it's like, well, the best time to play Golden Go was before we knew the best way to play Golden Go and people had really kind of started to refine the builds and lists. So it's like, it would it could have never happened, basically. Um, but in an alternate universe somewhere, Golden Go won San Antonio regionals, if you think about it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think <laughs> Golden Go is... timeline where that one Japanese player, instead of going to the Kyoto Champions League, decided went to, to, San <laughs> to go to San Antonio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, it has a, the, the Tina matchup is tough. You can get ahead pretty consistently, but then the Roxanne path is really hard to come back from, basically. So playing Melodic. Yeah. Um, mm. It's just, the melodic is so bad, though. That's the problem with the melodic. Uh, it's so bad, so awkward to set up. But um, yeah, I don't think Golden Go is quite it. I think it's better than Roaring Moon, to be honest. I think though, I don't know. It's close. Roaring Moon with hands has also like surprised me a lot with how good it is. It's still a bad good deck, but they're just both bad good decks. Their matchup spreads just aren't wide enough. They got their good matchups, but it's like Char when you compare it to like a Charizard or a Tina or a Gardevoir or a Maridon, it's like these decks can almost beat anything. And they just have their pros and cons where it's like the Golden Go is like, I don't know, I can beat Charizard and Rhydon, but I prefer to not play against anything else. Like, that's not a deck you want to run up, roll up to a tournament with because it's so much more than just the top half of the decks. You know, you have the Chi and Pows, the Muse, the Rapid Strikes, the Snorlaxes. You want to be able to beat some of those consistently as well. All right. So, yeah. Azul, if you had to play one of the two, <laughs> Charlotte Regionals this weekend. You have to play Golden Go or you have to play Roaring Moon. You've forgot all your other cards at home. Oh, no. These are the only two decks you have the cards for. Did Caleb also forget all of his other cards because he's got a lot yes. of cards. <laughs> yeah, yes. In this universe. The vendors, the vendors have no car. <laughs> You're looking for an out as hard as possible. He's like, yeah. Can I not drive to Target and buy the Maride on League Battle deck? Like <laughs> I would definitely go Moon Hands, I think. I'd go Moon Hands. I think it's got a much wider matchup spread it's got hands in there but hands you is, remembered your it, hands okay, okay yeah i'd play moon hands hands is just really good hands is just really really good so yeah i remember my moons and my hands that's it though <laughs> <laughs> i'd have to go moon hands for sure <clears throat> okay and then the next deck to talk about i mean we've got 
lost zone variants. You know, we've seen the Sablezard do pretty well in this format, but it's been a little while since we've seen it in the meta. Is there still merit to that? Is it the Mirage Gate Roaring Moon decks? Like, where, where are we at right now on just regular Lost Box? If someone flips over a Comfey and then they, like, don't get a Giratina down on turn one, like, what are you anticipating is in their deck? Uh, I mean, I'd hope it has Kyogre, but because it, it doesn't have his Kyogre, you're probably trolling. But, um, yeah, they probably just missed their Tina on turn one. <laughs> <laughs> is probably what happened. Um, but yeah, I think Kyogre is still just the way to go for sure. Not a huge fan of Sablezard. Um, I think it's okay. Uh, it does like get a little bit better in the meta, I guess, overall because of uh, Tina getting more popular. It's a pretty good matchup for Sablezard. Um, the the glass, I guess it's really Kyogre or glasses for the piles, right? It's like Sablezard, glasses, Kyogre. I feel glasses like the Sablezard deck... Like you have to really feel like there's just not going to be too much Maradon or too much Iron Hands, right? Or Guardies that are playing Jirachis. That's yeah. tough. And everyone, almost everyone, at least like it feels like 50% of the Guardies are Jirachi Cresselia, which I think is like impossible. But um, yeah, I would definitely play uh, Kyogre. If I'm playing rolling up with a pile, I got Hands and Kyogre there. Just like two of the best attackers in the game right now. Just put them both in the deck. Let's start swinging. Um, I don't know if I go the Tord route and include the Tina. Maybe not now because Charizard's less popular, but maybe Tina pairs up really well against Tina. Probably, actually. Maybe I keep the Tina in there. Kyogre, Tina, Roaring Moon, start swinging. Some powerful attackers <clears throat> get in there. But definitely prefer that, the Kyogre over the other stuff. And then next up, the deck that... I mean, with Tina won the tournament, got second place, but it really feels like the deck that kind of dominated yeah, in definitely. Portland was Mew VMAX. Mm-hmm. Seven of the top 16, or six of the top 16, yeah, six of the top 16 spots went to Mew Max. There's the fusions, there's the DTEs, and then all of the DTEs also had several fusion strike energies in their deck <laughs> as well. So, yeah, I mean, Mew's pretty, pretty solid right now. The, the, the Charizard matchup is, is closer if you play it well than a lot of people think. Um, I think fusion still comes up pretty short against Charizard, but the DTE builds that like Ian played and Vance played um you know it's only about like a 60 40 or 40 60 against uh charizard so your Charizard matchup is like not it's not one of those matches where you sit across from me like bro i can't i can't ever win this like you have solid lines that you can take um and you are the most consistent deck in the format i think dtmu is the most consistent deck in the format you just play more games of pokemon than any other deck which is plays more games plays more games plays the most games um <laughs> i feel arceus i will Max say looking at the pokestats live page <laughs> Ian did only play against one Charizard. He did beat it, though. The sack, bro. And Vance is that... played against three Charizard, and he went two and one. Yeah, yeah. So it is, like, close. Like I said, unfavored, I think, overall. But um, I guess Ian could have played against... Is that a Sablezard in e against Ian, or is that a Lost Zone Charizard EX? How can you tell? Probably a Sablezard. I think if it's Lost Zone Charizard EX, it goes Charizard, then Comfey. Oh, okay. That's how you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Mew's like Mew seems like it's in a pretty good spot. It's got a good Tina matchup. Um, and then its main thing that held it back in the format was Charizard, and that's the main reason people weren't really teching for it. Um, so Mew's got a decent amount of hype behind it right now. So the question is, <clears throat> I asked the the wrong question the other day on stream. At first, I asked, um, should you tech from Mew? The question really isn't should you tech from Mew. Teching from Mew right now seems pretty good. The question is, will people tech from Mew? That's the actual question. Um, and to be honest, I don't think people really are going to tech from Mew. I, I called a lot of people to tech from Mew in Portland, right? Then I say, like, you got to be sick of losing to Mew at this point, right? The techs are coming out if you're not playing Charizard. 
Um, and there really wasn't that many spirit tombs or well, Drapion we haven't seen in a while, but spirit tomb would be like the go-to. Um, I mean, there was one in like uh, Moffat played the spirit tomb, uh, but yeah, all these Mews either are fusion Mew or have fusion, so they don't just like fold to spirit tomb um, like they normally would. Does Drapion become a better tech? The problem with Drapion is like you can't bump your own path as Tina, so Mew has full path control. But maybe in a different deck, I guess. Oh, in a different deck, yeah, like I a Maridon or something like that. I could see it. I could see Drapion being the Drapion being the play there in like Maridon potentially over Spirit Tomb. Yeah, I, I don't think that would be ridiculous to consider. Um, for sure. Once this is a stat <clears throat> from a friend in a group chat today. Uh, I have not fact checked this yet, but just throwing it out there. <clears throat> said that of the top 16 Mews from Portland, their collective record against Charizard was 8-1-1. One, and one. Jeez, that's not bad. <laughs> that's kind of crazy, right? That is pretty good, yeah. Judge Path goes hard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm so confident. If I could roll up a Charizard tomorrow and play against nine Mews, I would be down to locking Charizard. But sure. I don't think I'm playing against nine Mews. And then other than that, uh, we've got the Rapid Strike. We've got some Chien Pao. We've got Snorlax. Mm. Some other decks kind of hanging around here. Rapid Strike, the deck you kind of already talked about. It feels like the metas have been super solid for it, but it hasn't been able to capitalize. And you feel yeah. like that's a merit to the inconsistencies of the deck? I think it does. That's where it has to come from. I guess for Portland, it was Mew, to be honest. Portland, it was Mew. But for San Antonio, there was no excuse for Rapid Strike to not be on top. And it was close. Like I said, Landon... Bubbled out the top eight, I believe. I think uh, Riley ninth, lost a winning in as well. Ninth place. I think Riley lost a winning in before winning in. Okay. Um, but maybe it was no, I think it was a winning in before winning I'll in. Find so it. like yeah, I think it's uh I'm just not as confident as I was in the deck before. Like I, I thought I would have seen more from it. Um but I guess it is just one tournament theoretically if you think about how good Mew was at Portland. But I don't think Mew's going anywhere. Um people are becoming more confident in the Charizard matchup, learning that matchup a little bit more, more confident in Mew in general as a deck. So, yeah, I don't think I think Rapid Strike, maybe it just kind of missed the mark at uh, San Antonio, which just happens sometimes, right? Like, even if a deck is a good play, it doesn't mean it's going to make top eight. And then Portland was kind of tough for it, but it's not going to get better for it. If Portland was tough for it, I don't think it's getting better for it at Charlotte meta wise. So, yeah, I think it's time to put the put the Rapids down or, uh, you know, plan to go like I don't know, four, three, probably. That'd be where are we at in the Snorlax cycle. It didn't really feel like people were overly teched for it, honestly, no. in Portland. And it didn't... I think Cal lost a winning in. I um, mean, Cal and Hale were both near the top tables, like, towards yeah, the last yeah. couple of rounds. So they were... We actually had, like, almost a... We almost had one of those regionals where it was back-to-back, -back, very similar top eights. Because I made top eight back-to-back. -back. Grant was in a pretty good position going into day two and then starting day two. Um, and then Hale and Cal lost a winning in, I think. I think Cal literally lost a winning in. I don't know if Hale ever got to a winning in. Uh, Hale maybe one up to 20th place. Um, and then Dan Hugar bubbled out of uh, top eight. Although I feel like I, I think Dan probably should have played out that last round instead of ID. And I'm pretty sure Dan ID'd. <clears throat> Remember to I check your resistance did, yeah. on Pokey Data. What is the Pokey Data dot? OVH, I think. You can literally check your resistance compared to the other players in the tournament and like figure out whether or not you should ID. So Pokey Data, use it, figure out your resistance. Yeah, Dan's resistance was bad. It was 47%. Yeah, yeah. And I think I knew that, too, because I think I checked people's resistances before going into the last round. <clears throat> um, Hale but... was... Hale came in to day two at 6-2-1, and then he lost round one. Oh. And then went 4-0-1 in the last five rounds. 
Okay, so it was never quite in contention for the for a. But then, eight. yeah, like you said, I'm pretty sure Cal did indeed lose him winning into Maddox. Yeah, I don't. I don't think many people are going to be Tekken for Control to be honest. I, but I don't think Control's going to have a great time either. Like, Dina's on the rise, and I think the ratio that is probably the worst. <laughs> that is the best reason to not play Smart yeah. Max right now. Right? But I think even worse, the amount of good players that will be playing Tina will be in. It'll be the most like skill. The most skill in a deck in the Pokemon TCG will be in Tina. But it's not even questionable, I don't think. There's a lot of really, really good players who like Tina, who are on Tina. You know, uh, Bradner's going to be there. John's going to be there. They're playing Tina. Like, I don't even think, like, we have to try and guess. Uh, Dan, I don't know if Dan's going, but Dan will be on Tina. Like, there's yeah. going to be a lot of very good players on Tina. Snorax does not seem like the play. <laughs> uh, I don't think the matchup is actually as bad as people think it is as well. Um, definitely winnable. I think even Cal actually beat Bradner at the tournament, I believe, in the early rounds, day one. Um, but it's definitely tough. I, like, you're okay r running going into the tournament um, and being like, if I hit a couple Tinas, you know, I'll try and make it work, especially if I'm not playing some of the best players in the world. But when you're like, I'm going to be hitting a lot of Tinas, and there's a decent chance a, a couple of them are the best players in the world, some of the best players in the world. Yeah. All right, maybe we put the control down. I think it's time to put it down. Also, Mew's like not, Mew's kind of on that rise, and Mew can be tough for control as well. So let's do a couple of predictions then heading into Charlotte. Like we've said, going to be the largest regionals of all time. Uh, what do we think the most popular deck is going to be? We talked about this a little bit earlier in the cast, but lock in a prediction as well. Most popular day one deck. Actually, we, should we do most popular day two deck? Is I mean, that more interesting? The, I think it's going to be the same. You think it's going to be the same? I mean, the conversion rate for Tina has been insane. And the most popular day one deck is also going to be Tina. So... <laughs> Yeah, Tina's had a pretty crazy conversion rate the last couple tournaments, I'm pretty sure. So, there's no I'm going to say we're going to get a little bit of holdout from Charizard. I'm not going to be surprised if Tina is the most popular deck, but I'm going to give it to the Charizard as being still most popular. And even if it's not most popular, I think it is a close second to Giratina. Yeah, I don't think it'll be. I, think it'll, I don't think it'll drop too far off. And it's not like a terrible play. It's just like it's getting it becoming a worse play than it has been. So. This is a prediction that you suggested Azul over under 1.5 repeat top eighters. So someone who has already made top eight this season over under one person who has made top eight. What do you think? Um, Biggest tournament ever. How does that factor in as well? That's true. I think I'm going to have to go with the under then on that. I'm going to go with the under. So only one or fewer people. It's going to be me. I was about to say, is it going to be, <laughs> is it going to be you? Sorry. Sorry. All the other top eighters. You guys can be like top 15 or something. I'm going to take the over on this one, to be honest. I think the game is yeah. in a good spot right now. And um, I think there's a lot of, you know, skill expression in the different decks and stuff like that. And opportunity to make maybe an aggressive meta read or something like that yeah. from a good player. So I'm pretty yeah. sure also like, uh, I guess, like help your case. Like I think Brent's coming as well. Brent's made a top eight and is actually mm -hmm. making his way over to Charlotte. I don't know if any of the Europeans are coming. I assume a couple because it is the East Coast regional. So I think we'll have some more Europeans show up um but i'm not aware of any that are coming but um, there probably will be a couple and then a running it back prediction from our portland yeah. <laughs> predictions highest placing golden go azul what do you think there were a couple in day two of portland it's still that hype deck people have had more time since portland yeah. to kind of get their hands on it play around with the gold dingus what do you think yeah the lists are getting refined getting better the meta is probably neutral. Actually, the meta is probably neutral for it overall. Because, like, well, maybe it's getting worse. Because more Tina, less Zard. So the meta is getting worse, but it'll be more popular probably. 
let's give them i mean if someone gets a decent run with it they almost had it we almost had a couple decent runs with it in portland i think the highest blessing was top 64 right i think we'll we could crack top 32 i think it's possible for sure let's give yeah let's get a top 32 for the for the dingus and last time i probably made a pretty ill-advised prediction (laughs) going with the top eight and my faith you know has definitely been a little shaken but it's not broken (laughs) give me another top eight for the gold dingus come on well not another a first top eight for the gold yeah hold on this is the time someone's gonna play it someone's gonna make the run and you got to know, like, for the community vote as well, this is this should be huge incentive for people. You know, if Golden Go EX is an option in the community vote, you're like a thousand percent going to go on stream. Like your deck is going to be voted for, for sure. Yeah, you're on, you're in for sure. <laughs> the Golden Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Azul, I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Before we get over to the bonus episode, you got anything else you want to say? No, no. Appreciate everyone sticking through us with this episode. I think we were a little, I, well, I was a little bit incoherent this episode. I'm just tired. I was driving for 10 hours today already, 11. Um, so, yeah, I'm tired. So a little bit of an incoherent episode, but uh, held us together nonetheless. Hope you all still enjoyed the content. Um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there at the end here. I think you held it together just fine, buddy. No worries at all. Uh, As always, guys, if you do enjoy the content, be sure to leave us a like, rating, review, wherever you're listening, comment on the YouTube video, and don't forget to check out our brand new channel at Uncommon underscore Energy on YouTube. Link is in the description. Be sure to check it out. Video will be out today, the day this podcast comes out. You're going to want to see it. It's going to be great. And uh, yeah, if you want to stay up to date with us, the best place to do it is over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie Azul at Azul underscore GG. You can also follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. Appreciate the support as always. Catch y'all next week. Best luck to anyone who's going to Charlotte. Uh, yeah, see y'all next week, Wednesday, 7 a.m. Eastern.